Hello, I'm Shervington Hannes, and it's time for another episode of The Recovery Show. And today I'm going to be exploring a few topics that are very dear to my heart. I'm very passionate about them. And uh, they are about the brain and behaviors and uh, what really happens to the body when substances, whether it's over-the-counter, it's legal substances or illegal substances, enters the body, what happens? And uh, there is a technical term that you might hear and uh, the everyday language that I can break it down in, but I'll give you both of them. So there is what the body does to the drug once it is administered or enters the, the, the body. And then there is what the drug does to the body. So there is pharmacokinetics and then there's pharmacodynamics. And pharmacokinetics is what the body does to the drug once it gets into the body. The body actually does things to the drug. And then pharmacodynamics is what the drug does to the body. Now, once the drugs get into the body, a very interesting thing must occur for it to get to the brain where it will have some sort of interaction with a specific site or receptor that will recognize it. If there isn't the presence of that receptor, which is like a lock, and the drug is the key, then they wouldn't have any effect on the body to have whether it's there as a stimulant, speeds up the central nervous system, of which the brain is a part of, along with the spinal cord, or slows down the central nervous system, and that's why, for example, alcohol, which is a depressant, slowing down the central nervous system, that although you may not feel high, the site of action or what has to happen, regardless of how much you can hold your alcohol or whatever it is, depending on whether it's speeding up or slowing down the central nervous system, it will have effect on the uh, um, central nervous system. So slow reaction time, for example, in driving, ability to concentrate. You're a living organism. So it doesn't matter if you've been taking it. Yes, you might have to take more to have the same desired feeling but all that needs to happen once the substance gets into the body, it will do what the substance, okay, tries to do to get to the point of effect. Get to the brain, for example. Now, an interesting thing happens before it can get to the brain. Our body has evolved over time and there is something referred to as the blood-brain barrier that is supposed to, and I say this supposed to, prevent any non-nutritious substance from getting 
to the brain. Blood brain barrier. And um, you can tell that I'm enjoying this. I know I'm not Hannibal Lecter from the silence of the lamb, but yes, I can do. <laughs> and that's how I would tick up the brain, but no, I just like talking about the brain and studying it for human behavior. And uh, the non-nutritious substance is supposed to be blocked out of the brain because the brain is very, very, very fragile. And if something that uh, should not get into the brain and have an interaction with the cells that make it up, then we can have things like we have. Hence, we have hallucination. We can have things like um, psychosis. And, uh, for example, most illicit substance, site of action, would be in the prefrontal cortex, the front of our brain, where the activity of making decisions having control, executive function as we refer to, takes place. So if the site of action is in front there, and that is being impacted or affected, we can see how we're going to have problem making decisions, not laziness, but an inability to process things the way it's supposed to happen. Now, the interesting thing about the brain is that it doesn't get fully developed to an adult-sized brain until about age 30, in the early 30s, mid-20s. So if a person, a young person, starts using substances while the brain is still being developed and it's during the teenage years that there's a rapid growth of the cortex, the third part of the brain, there's the midbrain, there is the reptilian brain, the middle part of the brain that houses our action of fight flight responses and all that good stuff. The mid part of the brain, which takes care of motor, emotions, all of that thing, and that's where the amygdala and all of that is present, and the cerebellum. And then there is the cortex that covers all of that. That is what makes us distinct from other animals. And that's our ability to have cognitive or mental processing of our experiences or the perception of and our abilities. If you were to take our brain and look at other mammals and animals' brain or even rep reptile brain, for example, a, rep uh, a reptile, you would see and it would be almost similar to the part of our brain that is referred to as the reptilian brain. So we have what is referred to as a triune brain, three-part brain. But you can see, and this is where the whole theory of evolution change over time. The development of a brain two million years ago is not the same as our brain now. And this experience of the pandemic and using new world words and using Google for search and all of that is causing our brain, our cerebral cortex to be shaped and wired differently. And two million years from now or, or 
2,000 years from now, the brain structure is not going to be the same as it is today, as it was 4,000 years ago, billion years ago, and that is what is referred to as evolution, the change over time. Not that you're okay, apes and whatever that people want to get into and then narrate them and then we get into this debate. Okay, so I've gone in another direction here now. Now you're really getting me excited. That's another subject that I'm really passionate about. Spirituality and religion and all that good stuff and uh, creation and evolution and all that great stuff. But let's get back to substance use and recovery. So yes, for there to be any activity within the central nervous system for the substances that is being used, abused or misused, is that it must get into the site of the brain and act on the receptor that recognizes it. Now, the receptor is attached to cells that gets activated, triggered, and then, for example, a thought that I may have will cause an action potential or triggering of a particular cell. So, for example, I have a thought, and the thought is a happy thought, is going to trigger some cells that then release a chemical of sorts that is water-based, that is referred to as a neurotransmitter, and that gets into a space between all the billions of cells within the brain so that they can be transmission from one cell to the next because although they're packed up in the brain, they're not actually touching. That's the wonder of the brain. There's a space and that synaptic cleft or the space between the cells for there to be any sort of communication. So for example, you hit the knee and the, the, the foot uh, comes up is that there is a cell that has a very long tail-like structure that goes down there and sends a signal because there was an action potential with the hitting of the knee to the next cell and then there was the reaction there. No different for me to raise my hand, for me to speak. Everything is based on behaviors of cells within the body which is activated by triggers of the presence of an action or the absence of action, no different from computers, in terms of zeros and ones, on or off, that's the technology that was used to create the computer, for example. You know you've gotten me started. Another thing that I'm passionate about, passionate about, sorry, that is IT. That's where all of this started with systems analysis and design, and hence my fascination with the brain and what is happening. So I don't want this to be a very lengthy podcast, so I'm going to be wrapping up just about now. What I really wanted you to get was understanding that the substance, once it gets into the body, it goes to a site that recognizes it like a lock. The substance is like a key. Once it gets in there, what happens is when there is the opening of the cell and the releasing of the neurotransmitter, the chemical that allows for transmission of electricity almost, biochemical, electrical, 
So there is almost a release of that um, neurotransmitter for transmission to take place between the cells. What the substance does is it blocks that channel that was opened up for the neurotransmission to come out. Because the thing about it, the neurotransmission, like I said, neurotransmitter, like I said, goes between the space between the cells and cause a wave so that there is an action potential to bump over to the next cell and then it triggers around the body and that's how action takes place or behavior takes place in the body. But it doesn't enter that other cell. What actually happens, it is supposed to naturally go back up into the cell it came out of. But the drug, the substance, block that channel. And then that substance, that, sorry, that chemical that was released doesn't go back up. And one, two examples of those um, chemicals that get released would be dopamine and serotonin. And dopamine is supposed to be the feel good. Serotonin acts along with dopamine. And we are then motivated to do stuff which can be released without the presence of illicit substances or drugs. Us running and exercising and all of that give us the same releasing of that because that's how we have activity or behaviors. So when we want to reproduce or replicate those behavior of feeling motivated and, and good and if you want to say hi, that's what we're doing. Well, what happens over time where people want to recreate the feeling of feeling high is that every time you take the substance and it block the reuptake, getting rid of the neurotransmitter that came down into the synaptic cleft, came down into the synapse, but it blocks that, that's how the person feel, quote unquote, good or high to an extent that is much more intense than if it happens naturally by exercising or eating a certain food that have some of the same chemical base or structure like the substance that you've taken. Wow. I'm going to stop here for today because I don't want this episode to be much uh, longer. Namaste. Hotep Shalom. I'm Sherrington Hayes, and this was The Recovery Show. The brain, the blood-brain barrier, and behaviors. Maybe I'll have part two of this and wrap it up in a more uh, structured way with some reading of some specific uh, material with regards to the brain, blood-brain barrier, substances, and behaviors. Bye for now.